What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast about future-focused parenting. Welcome to Raising Adults. Dina and Kira here. And today, we are going to be talking about school. And what a big thing that is, right? You make decisions from the time your children are pretty young about how you'll be schooling, where you'll be sending them to school, if you're even sending them somewhere. So we're going to dive into that. But before we do, I want to once again highlight our attribute of the month, which we rolled out this year, 2019, a completely free option for our listeners. And it's amazing. You can just sign up for it right on our website. And right to your inbox, you get an attribute each month that's really pretty deep. I would say a pretty robust explanation of that attribute, ideas for how you can model it to your children, and things to talk about, resources, books, et cetera, et cetera. You've heard us talk about it. But for March, we are going to be focusing on kindness and what an important value that is to instill in your children. So I would encourage you, if you haven't yet signed up for the Attribute of the Month, do that because I think all of us want to impart compassion and kindness in our children and help them just be better humans as they interact with their friends the adults around them, their parents, their teachers. Kindness is one of those things that is a life lesson. It will never go wrong. They'll always be glad they've learned that, and it will serve them well their whole lives. Wouldn't you agree? I completely agree. I love this particular attribute. I'm excited for us to kind of dive deep into it. So if you're interested in signing up for the attribute of the month, you want to go to our website, which is futurefocusedparenting.com slash or whack. They call it a whack now. Yes. (laughs) I just found this out. Dave was like, it's a whack now. And I was like, no, where's the memo? I did not. It's much like the memo of not having two spaces after a period. I desperately needed that memo. Yes, I, and you missed it somehow. I missed it. And I'm telling you, it is impossible to reverse that. But anyway, I digress. You're going to go to <laughs> www.futurefocusedparenting.com whack shop. It'll be the first thing on there. It's in our shop section where like our workbooks are, but it's completely free. So you can just go ahead and sign up. We'll ask you a couple questions about your family. We do not share your information with anyone. Yeah, it's really just so we can know our listeners a little bit. What's that demographic? We'll ask about your kiddos, that kind of thing. So please do it if you haven't. Kindness is a great one to start with if you haven't jumped on board yet, and we'd love to share that with you. Okay, so we're going to talk about education. I want to give your disclaimer. Yeah, I told Dina right before we hit record, I was like, I will not have anything cohesive to say today because I am currently in an education kerfluffle with my kids and feeling pretty lost and confused about it. So I think today um, I will be sharing some of my thoughts around what we're experiencing, but I can just tell you from a very authentic place that we're finding this um, territory really challenging at the moment. Um, And I'll talk more about that later. Yeah, I'm really glad about that, though, because... I think for you, our listeners, it's really important that you hear that we come up against things sometimes that are kind of a speed bump or something sticky for us and that we're in the thick of it. We don't have it all figured out and then period, end of sentence, we never change our mind. Sometimes we might even choose to do something in our parenting and maybe look at a course correction. And I know that's going to be one of the things you'll talk about. So this is important, I think, for our listeners to hear that you're in the midst of a little bit of a struggle with this. So I'm I'm actually glad about that, although not glad for your struggle. <laughs> Want to <you>. be clear. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. So as always, would 
you be willing to at least share your why around schooling and education for your kids, and then we can jump into more of the other stuff? Well, I mean, don't you think this is a multifaceted why? I feel like there's a lot of different whys, right? So oh, for I, sure. I think my main why has always been I, I am of the belief, Dave and I are very fortunate, we're both college educated, we're financially comfortable, so I, I never sort of doubted that my kids would get from us what they need for their educational support. And so I kind of had the feeling that unless there was an unexpected learning disability or something we came across, that our kids were probably going to be okay in terms of getting the education that they needed. Um for me, it was, especially for elementary school, which is the phase that we're in right now, it was very much about them feeling socially and emotionally well at school. That was a, probably my biggest concern. My attitude was my kids are going to learn to read and write, but they need to feel safe at school. And I had, I was bullied when I was a kid. And so just, I had some not positive um, school experiences. I also moved schools a lot. Mm. And then this is going to sound super crazy, but one of my biggest whys, one of the things I said to Dave before the kids were born were, was once we start kindergarten, the kids will not change schools other than their natural changes. And the reason for that is after over a decade as a hypnotherapist, there is a direct correlation between kids who move schools a lot and smokers. And that does not mean, I just want to put this out there, that does not mean that every kid who changes schools a lot becomes a smoker, but the majority of smokers are people who changed schools a lot. Interesting. Yeah. I never knew that little factoid. And if you think about it, there's two reasons why. So the first one is that it's an easy group to fall into. It's easy to make friends. So kids who are maybe have parents in the military, they're moving around a lot, and they're constantly having to change friends. This is a really fast way to make a new group of friends um, and feel like you're fitting in quickly. Mm -hmm. But even outside of that, it's also a lot of smokers describe their cigarette as a friend. It's something to do when I'm alone. I feel less alone, right? And so again, as a kid who's switching schools and develops a feeling of perhaps some loneliness, some isolation, they may be more prone to reach for something that makes them feel less alone. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that was a big deal for you to hopefully at least avoid that correlation if you could. If I could. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. Well, I'm going to have to agree with the premise that you started out with. I was fortunate to go to college and I had a good education. I even went to private school and I think... While I really try to not just do this as a matter of course, I think it is easy to kind of fall into this idea that as a parent, you want to offer your kids at least the same, if not better than you had. I think that's a very common feeling we come up against. I'm not even saying it's right. I'm just acknowledging that it's there. And so for me, it was kind of a big deal that my kids were in a private school, although I had this extra layer because of my divorce. And that was that... Because I was teaching my kids about our faith, I didn't want to be the only voice talking about that. And I couldn't be certain that was happening in the other home. So I wanted them to have other adults around them talking about this. So they weren't like, well, that's weird. My mom's the only one who ever talks about God or the Bible. Is she just the anomaly or is she nuts or what? So it was important to me to surround them with multiple environments where they were hearing a consistent message. So it didn't feel like mom was the one off. And that became particularly important to me after we were a two-household family. 
That makes a lot of sense. It's really no different than me wanting them to have social emotional skills being taught outside of the home as well, right? Absolutely. Same exact concept. Well, and as a mental health professional, I'm sure that was extra important to you, but you also experienced things like moving around and not having positive experiences. And we want to lay the foundation to mitigate those things if we can, especially if we've experienced them. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to say before we launch in, we, we're we doing this episode partly because we had talked about doing it, but we also got a listener question about education. So we'll sort of start by talking about our experiences, but we will get to your question, sir. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. We will get there. So I can say that for me, that was my why initially, but what's been so great, and, and I want to be honest, and Kira, I know you know this, Our listeners don't. I will say, I don't think any school is perfect. And ours certainly hasn't been. Our experience hasn't been without any challenges or frustrations. And I think that's partly because, guess what? Schools are run by people. And there's no perfect people either. They're going to make mistakes or you're going to encounter maybe things you don't agree with in the administration. Sometimes smaller schools, there can be things that feel kind of political. And our situation wasn't perfect. However, the really great thing that I've been so thankful for in the choice we ultimately made, which we made a choice to do a classical Christian school. So it had the Christian element, which was, of course, important to me based on what I just said a few moments ago. But I also really liked the classical model of education because it met children where they were developmentally. So when they're in these lower grades, they're doing a lot of repetition and memorization, and that's what kids are good at at that age. They just soak things up like a sponge. And the classical model capitalizes on that with lots of chants and songs and memorization. And then in the dialectic phase of the classical model, so that's the grammar phase, the first one, the dialectic phase, roughly corresponding to middle school, they teach them how to make a good argument. And they learn, they literally take a logic class and do things like that. Well, Anyone who's been around middle schoolers know they like to argue, so why not teach them to do it well and what makes a good argument? And then in the final stage, the rhetoric phase of a classical model, roughly corresponding to high school, they learn how to defend an argument and present it well. So in our school, they end their time at the school with a senior thesis, and they do have to defend it in front of a panel who will ask them questions that might challenge their views, and it is completely memorized. They give about a 15, 20-minute speech, no notes. So... I love that because I also am big into matching the development of the child. Let's meet them where they are so they can learn best. So that's been one blessing. But I would say the second one is with all the changes that my kids experienced, divorce, moves. We moved multiple times in terms of moving houses. We changed churches. They've been through remarriages, adding new step-parents, adding new step-siblings. I've been very thankful that the school has been a constant for them. So that was another real positive. I'm thankful for the choice for that reason. Yeah. And your kid's school is amazing. I mean, if I didn't have to sign something that says that I believe in God and I will raise my children as such, my kids would be there in a heartbeat. I mean, the stuff they do there is just phenomenal, phenomenal education, I think. It really has been a great, rigorous education, but also with a care about who they are as people. And I've been thankful for that. Well, and I noticed that I feel like that is a theme in Christian schools. I mean, obviously, because you care about raising good people. Um, and And I love that. And I love that. And I will say we have been very lucky that our school, our local school, that we happened into, um, we bought our house and our school rates pretty low um, on the great schools uh, website. Oh, I didn't know that. And so before we bought our house, we put out a little thing on Facebook like, hey, what do people think of this school? And we got a flood, a 
flood of feedback. Everyone was like, don't look at the numbers. The school's incredible. Um, we have a really high population of um, English as a second language. And so it affects the test scores, which is basically oh. why the number's so bad. Okay. Um, but they said the ethos of the school is amazing. And, and so we bought our house and crossed our fingers and went to tour the school right before the kids started kindergarten. And I came home um, and I was like, well, that's like a private school in terms of the social emotional intelligence, the support that the mm. kids are given. I mean, it is phenomenal. I love, love our elementary school. And it's one of the things that's so frustrating for me at the moment is that I love our elementary school and I'm in a curve level. Mm. Um, but the school itself is is fantastic. And I will say Dave and I sort of agreed before we had kids. And this is such a great example of exactly what you said around course correction. You can have all the ideas you want about pretty much anything before you have kids. I mean, I was an amazing mother before I had children. Oh, like, so was I. Amazing. Fantastic. Um, and as a friend of mine, my friend Randy says, parenthood is all about learning to eat crow. <laughs> You will take your foot out of your mouth so many so times. So many times. Your shoes will taste amazing. <laughs> so um, we – Dave came from a, the equivalent of a public school education. I came predominantly from a public school education, though I did move schools a lot. Did not end up a smoker, though I did smoke in high school. I'm not going to lie. Um so who knows? Um, but I had a couple years in private school, in elementary school, um, one of which was at a Christian school, which was kind of interesting. And um, But for the most part, my formative years were really in, a, in public school. I went to public high school as well. Um, but I, had, I went to an alternative middle school. It was public, but it was incredible. I mean, we sat on couches instead of at desks. We called our teachers by their first names. They encouraged debate and argument. And we have these all-school meetings where we all had to come to consensus and they really let the students voice opinions and be heard. Like we had a um, an all-school meeting once that some of the students, I believe I may have been a part of leading this, um, <laughs> brought to the, the school that we wanted swearing to be allowed in school, which is funny given our... Sounds about right. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've really been me <laughs> for, for a long time. Yeah. So we wanted swearing to be allowed. And of course, I look back on this and I'm like, they were never going to say yes to that. But we had a two-hour all-school meeting about it. And they let us speak our minds. We had to have good arguments. They would argue back. They heard us. And so I do think that unique experience in middle school. I mean, everyone I went to middle school with would agree that the middle school changed their lives. It made them who they are today. Um, and so even though it was technically a public school, it was it was private in its presentation, if that makes sense. Um, but nonetheless, Dave and I both agreed we are in a great school district. We pay taxes. You know, our taxes go toward the schools. We, as liberals, really wanted to make sure that our kids were getting a diverse community. Um, we wanted them, we wanted to put our money into the public school system, blah, blah, blah. And we wanted all these things. And now we're in it and we're struggling because of a couple different things. And some of it has just nothing to do with our beautiful little, in fact, none of it has anything to do with our beautiful school. Our school is beautiful. There is a statewide substitute issue. Um, there's a shortage of subs. And so, and there's a lot of need for them. And so the kids are with subs a lot and it's no one's fault. It's just the nature of the beast. And some of these subs are great and some of them are terrible. Um, and that's been really challenging for me because of the social emotional piece. I want my kids to go to school. I want the person who's leading them to know their name. I want them to know how they learn. I want them to know what they're allergic to. You know, just simple things like this that make my kids feel safe. So that's been an issue. And then the bigger issue that we're having is that we had one of our twins um, 
identified for the HICAP program, which is the gifted program or whatever you want to call it. Um, the other one was not. It was actually the twin that we weren't expecting to be identified as the one who got identified. Just and for an extra just twist. For, uh, twin mom's worst nightmare um, is that one twin is going to you know, get mm-hmm. in and the other one isn't. Um, and so my big concern right now is that the twin who wasn't identified, in my opinion, is the one who needs the oh. extra you know, this particular twin, I think, is bored. Um, and because it's all, it, unlike in a private school setting where the parents have a lot more say, I've written and explained and they will not retest them. Oh. So now we're in this tricky situation where it's like, well, what do we do with one who qualified and one who didn't? And and then what do we do if they both qual- – I mean, it's just – it's a mess. Oh. It's a nightmare, right? Because they – I mean, I, I won't bore you with the details. It's a nightmare, and I'm feeling like they're not getting their needs met because of that. And again, that's not the school's fault. That's no one's fault. When you have a public school system, you just can't cater to every kid in the way that you can at a private school. So Dave and I are suddenly talking about private school, which we can't afford um, and which we're sort of on principle against, mm-hmm. but – you know, sometimes it's it's hard, I think, when your your values collide with your actual, actual situation. situation. And yeah. um, so it's it's been a challenge that we really haven't figured out yet. It's tough. They're at school seven hours a day. I don't want them to be bored. You know, the, the idea of supplementing right. outside of school is fine, except seven hours a day. You know, you're already spending a lot of time on that. Right. And, and I think it's great because you're highlighting for people who might not have made this decision yet. They're getting to hear some of the positives and maybe some of the negatives of both sides. So I'm in a tiny school where you can end up with politics or you can end up with we've experienced some legalism issues that we don't always love. And you're facing some of the downfalls of a bigger system because they just can't cater all so individually like you could in a smaller place. And yet you have the positive of the diversity and it's felt very emotionally and socially great. And so when you're thinking about these things, it's good to know that you're going to be possibly facing something that isn't your favorite, even if part of the model really appeals to you. Well, and I'm also stuck with the highly capable program is at a different school. So there's also a question of, well, do we move the one? Do we move both? And let's backtrack and remember that Kira did not want to move anyone, right? So it's, it's you know, in, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm thrilled for the one who tested in. That's awesome. Um, but it just all feels really yucky and like my best laid plans mm-hmm. – you know, and it's like we talk about that you need to be planning, you need to be future focused, and then you have to be flexible within that. This is a wonderful example, right. but we are still trying to be future focused because then the other question is, okay, well, if we move them to private school, well, when do we do that? We don't really feel like it's necessary until later down the line in elementary school into middle school, but if we move them at middle school, well, that's a terrible time to switch schools, and I'm going to get smokers. And <laughs> Back <laughs> no, to but, that. But seriously, you know, that's a terrible time for people, for children to start over again. Well, that's again. a rough time. Yeah. Do you move them for high school? Well, that's a terrible time. So, okay, well, do you move them in fifth grade? Well, that's still a terrible – fourth grade, third grade? Oh, really? We should move them next year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so it's it has just opened up a spiral of issues. And you will note that we have not considered homeschooling because – Everyone would not survive that experience. 
I, your I, recent day of homeschooling. I homeschooled for fantastic. one day, like last month, and I posted a picture on Facebook of us homeschooling, and I said, "Not pictured, mommy crying and children screaming." <laughs> so homeschooling is just not an option. It's I out. Greatly admire homeschool moms, but it's not for me. So yeah, so that's kind of the kerfluffle that we're in, and and so early, I wasn't. It was like I was prepared for the possibility that. Like bullying, for example, I thought if, if we face a bullying issue that can't be dealt with by the school, we're out. Like, mm-hmm. we're out. I'll if figure, it can't be addressed, yeah, we're gone. We're done. So I sort of had in my head, like, okay, if that happens. But it, I didn't see this happening this early on. Well, and do you have another layer because of also t- you were talking anyway about how do you decide whether to keep them together or separate them even class-wise, right? Because they're twins. Yeah. Well, and the other problem with... Now you could face a separation for this other reason. I mean... Right. Well, and here's the thing. There's, again, from a mental health perspective, how do you explain to the twin that dis- didn't qualify that their twin qualify? I mean, it's the twin factor here is not the same as two siblings mm-hmm. where one one goes into the program, one doesn't. Especially, and my biggest issue is that it, I'm not surprised that the twin who qualified qualified, but I'm floored that the one who didn't 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 and so on top of that explaining that actually I think you didn't test well here I don't think this is a you know and they're seven so try to explain this isn't an act I don't think this is an accurate reflection of your actual capabilities exactly Ah, yeah it's it's a cluster so we are trying to sort it out essentially and and leaning toward doing nothing for now and waiting maybe till next year um but Again, it's like I want to make sure their needs are getting met. And our teacher this year is fantastic. Our teacher last year was fa- – I mean, the school is fantastic. But they're catering to just a huge breadth of kids. And, and you know, that's just – it's hard. It's hard. The public school system is hard. I have great admiration for everyone involved in it because – it is. It's an impossible task. Essentially, it's an impossible. Oh task. yeah, it comes with such a huge set of challenges. But this actually kind of leads into our question, and we did have a listener question about, and this is really future focused. I'm impressed. This person, their family, they're expecting, and actually had a question about how do you help your child if you want to make sure they get ahead, but you don't want to overburden them, and what do you think about? advancing forward or skipping a grade or how do you equip them well with all the knowledge they need and that is a really loaded question and I I have at least a thought on it and then Kira of course weigh in but I actually well let's read the question first. yeah let's let, so we can give it to you exactly because this is it's a great question okay so this question is from Justin and Justin writes I'm about to be a parent for the first time in August congratulations Justin I'm a software engineer and I really value knowledge and practical skills I would like to help my child reach their potential as early as possible, but I know it would make school boring for them if they can do calculus at nine years old while their peers are just starting multiplication. What are your views on teaching children beyond what you think they would typically know and skipping grades, etc.? Thank you guys for the great parenting tips, and I hope I raise a self-sufficient, kinder child thanks to you guys. Thank you, Justin. That's very awesome. Very Thank nice. you for listening. All right, you. go for it, Dina. Give your thoughts. Well, I do have an opinion on this because I understand what he says. Balancing... Hey, I want you to meet your potential with, am I going to end up with somebody who's bored? That is a really thoughtful question because let me tell you, a bored student often becomes a behavior issue in the classroom. And so you really do want to be careful to avoid that. I did have one of my children skip a grade. I'm not sorry. Here's why. What happened is 
we were facing not just boredom, but really that she was struggling with the pace. So Sienna felt that she could go faster, essentially get through the material quicker. And we were not able to meet that need at the school. So here's an example where a private school can be a bit of a struggle. They just don't have the resources, frankly, the funding to separate out for, oh, gifted or struggling, or you need this over here and you need that over there. It's kind of everybody moves along. We even were told sometimes at parent conferences, we need you to have her stop going ahead in her workbook. That's crazy. That makes, that infuriates me. It was frustrating to say the least. So what we did is we pulled her and I homeschooled her for a year and she went back to the school up a grade. And we're not sorry because she was able to do more and to do it faster and giving her that year to just pace herself and get through it was fantastic. Now, it did mean I did a year of homeschooling. Have great respect for the people who do that. the hero. I homeschooled my kids when they were small. Homeschooling high school was very different. <laughs> it tested my limits. <laughs> Literally. Even my academic limits. I was going to say, I'd be like, I don't know. I didn't I remember had, a lot of algebra. I studied, I studied drama. I have no idea. I think Sienna <laughs> taught herself algebra that year. But it was great because, and this again, not in any way throwing the school under the bus. We've been so grateful for it. But initially, their solution was to give her more work. And for us, the issue wasn't the quantity. It was the quality. So just adding more to keep her, so to speak, busy wasn't what we were after. And so we found it to be really positive to move her up and work at her own pace and then bring her back on board up a grade. That was very positive for us that we didn't run into someone getting bored. However, I need to give the disclaimer. I have three of my five who've gone through public school and the skipping a grade and even being held back, kind of not a thing anymore. You need to know that. So you're going to have to look at other options or other schools or homeschooling to be able to have pacing be a little more autonomous. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I have have a bunch of thoughts on Justin's question. And I agree with you. I think it's amazing that he's being so thoughtful and future focused about this now. I think a couple things. So I need to preface by saying we redshirted our kids. Our kids were born at the tail end of August. In fact, when I went into labor, I remember being like, maybe it'll take a couple days (laughs) and I won't have to make this decision. Um, And one of the reasons that we ended up waiting was for the mental health component of I thought it was going to be very different for them to be ahead and bored than behind and feeling like there was something wrong with them. Mm. And ultimately, we decided that we were willing to take the risk. And of course, here we are. Yeah, here you are. Um, But I don't regret it. I don't regret it for a second because I do think there's a big, big difference there in terms of self-esteem. So I think that Yeah, exactly what Dina said. It sounds like, and I was wrong, I thought in private school they would be more flexible with this. It sounds like not. So in terms of skipping a grade and being held back, none of that's a thing anymore. Um, Saying that, I love that Justin wants to encourage the best in his little person. I think, and I don't know Justin at all, so I will say this, Justin, you may not be thinking this at all, but I would err on the side of caution around pushing or trying to have them some be something that is important to you versus who they are. One of the things you did with Sienna was you were 
watching what Sienna was doing naturally and supporting it instead of pushing her to move faster. Right. Does that she make sense? She initiated the issue and we responded to exactly. it. Exactly. So I, I would say, like, if you're interested in numbers and you want to, like, get your kid on the floor and play games around numbers and they happen to pick it up as quickly as it sounds like you do, not for me. Kira's <laughs> not a mathematician. Um, but, you know, some some people are just really skilled at that. And it's inherited, so it's entirely possible your little person will be too. And if that comes naturally, fantastic. I, I would say you exactly, you want to encourage your kids to be who they're going to be and support that. But I would just be aware and careful that you're not leading that charge, that they are ultimately interested in something and you're following their interest as opposed to pushing them toward the thing that you think is important. Really an important distinction, that fine line between encouraging something that's naturally there versus initiating or pushing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I think that as we've talked about today, even if you weren't doing that, your kid could end up being brilliant and Mm -hmm. bored and or struggling. And then you have to deal with all of that and getting help and support in that way, too. So I think it's hard before your baby's here to really know. So all I would say and encourage you to do is think about what engages you, what excites you as a parent, because you're always going to want to bring that to your kid. I love musicals, and so mm-hmm. we're a big musical theater family, and that's something that we're not pushy about, but we're passionate about, so our kids see that. That's awesome. And then I would just let the chips fall and deal with it as you come across it, because we just don't know. Absolutely. And two quick things kind of off of that is I think it is fine, though, even with an infant to just expose to a variety of things, kind of find out what he or she ends up liking. There's nothing wrong with that. Play games, do puzzles, do things with numbers, introduce words and books and see where those affinities are. And then you can follow those once you find out what they are. So exposure to multiple things is absolutely fine and to be encouraged. And when Kira just said that about the musical theater thing, I think the other thing that's important to note doesn't mean that your baby and then child will end up loving all the things you love. But I do think enthusiasm is contagious. So when they see you excited about those things, they may end up liking them. You don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then also I would say it's worth considering. And I say this only because it was something I considered. Um, I thought, what's it going to be like for me if one of my kids is tone deaf? Like, what am I going to do or if they're not interested in theater? Um, And I think it's worth also just considering how you would feel if your kiddo is not great with numbers and how you're going to – because it sounds like it's important to you. Um, But I think as long as the goal is not that they're doing calculus by nine, but if they happen to end up doing calculus by nine, then you are going to support them, then I think you can't go wrong. Yeah, because it's really about fostering that. And it sounds like that's what you'd like to do is just help them. And so that's – always a positive thing to be thinking about. Any of the parents listening, that's a positive thing to be thinking about. And the question that you just raised, asking yourself, and what happens if they don't like the thing I was hoping they like? Get yourself ready for that, because that's work you have to do. It's really not their issue. It will be yours. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. I think a lot of us, I struggle with this. I'm sure everyone struggles with this. The feeling like children are somehow a reflection of us. And and in some ways they are, and in other ways they're not. And making peace with that, that they're their own people. And I have not mastered this. So 
That's all I'm going to say about that. Yes, I'm not an expert there either. I will tell you that we have a super exciting guest that we're in the middle of booking right now. Her name is Meg Flanagan, and she is a parent coach as well, but she specializes in education, in coaching parents through whatever struggles they may be dealing with with their kids' education, talking about advocacy. Yes. I mean, I am personally and selfishly so excited to speak with her. Um, so we are going to have her on the show. She's in Japan, which is so cool. She's going to Skype in. Um, so watch out for that episode that's going to be coming up soon. Yeah, because I think she might address some other questions that you may all have out there about how do I address the school if I'm having a problem or how do I even find out if my child's struggling? And she has also some special education background. So I think she's going to be a great resource in general. But also if you maybe have a child who has some challenges or is struggling, I think she's going to be super helpful in addressing some of that too. So we're thrilled to have her. Yep, absolutely. So as always, if you have not liked us on Facebook or Instagram, well, what is that about? What is that about? Our handles are at Raising Adults Podcast. And I haven't said this in a while, so I'm going to say it. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating. Please write us a nice review. Please recommend us on Facebook and tell all your friends this is how podcasts come to be. This is how they're successful. And we really couldn't even be where we are right now if it weren't for all of our amazing listeners that have just shown up and supported. So if you haven't reviewed, if you haven't rated, if you haven't told your coffee barista, please do. Uh, we, we are just so grateful for all of that. And for more information on us, you can go to futurefocusedparenting.com. You can also sign up for the attribute of the month there. If you have any questions, as you've seen today or heard today, uh, we love answering listener questions so go ahead and email us info at futurefocusedparenting.com Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in my laundry room music by Seattle band Hannah Lee thanks for listening